Less than 24 hours, Georgians will be under a shelter-in-place order. McDonald, though, said he did not know the man was handcuffed and was trying to use his foot to pin him to the ground so he could be handcuffed. If your friends, neighbors, or local organizations are not complying, report them to us. Howdy, y'all, and welcome to the Free Georgia Podcast. My name is Jay Green. Thank you so much for joining me today. Um, first off, if you're interested in the Libertarian Party of Georgia, if you're interested in learning more about what we believe, what we're doing around the state of Georgia to spread freedom and liberty, you can go to lpgeorgia.com um, to learn all about the party um, and what we're doing here in the state. Uh, you can also go to this tab up here at the top, 2024 Convention, um, which we have a convention coming up in January. Um, my internet, for some reason, is extremely slow at the moment. Um, it is, I believe, January 26th through the 28th, but as soon as this dadgum tab loads, I'll, <laughs> I'll know uh, for sure. Yes, January 26th through the 28th down in Conyers, Georgia. You can get tickets right now for $75 for the next uh, 10 days or so. Um, yeah, next 10 days. After that, it's 85 bucks. So make sure you go get your tickets now. Um, on the website, it lists uh, the hotels or single hotel um, for, to get uh, the special pricing for LP Georgia. Um, king rooms, 105 a night. Double bedrooms, 110 per night. Uh, speakers, fantastic speakers. We got Spike Cohen, Shane Hazel, Sarah Higdon, Adam Nutter, Edgar Mills, Tower Gang Pod, and we have a we have all six presidential candidates for the Libertarian Party of Georgia having a debate during our convention. So you won't want to miss that. Um, we also have, you know, sponsors and booths and people selling things and um, training sessions and all sorts of stuff. So, uh, yeah, make sure you you get your tickets now before the price goes up. All right. Today we have a special guest joining us. Um, she was at the Great Create this past summer. She is all about citizen journalism um, and helping folks, uh, basically teaching them how to become a citizen journalist um, around the state of Georgia and around the country. So please welcome Tia Severino. All right, Tia Severino, welcome to the show. Thanks for coming. Thanks for having me, Jake. Absolutely. Um, we met uh, at the Great Create this past summer. Um, how was your experience during that event? It was pretty good. I thought it was... Uh... A great group of people that came together. We had some pretty uh, intelligent and talented uh, and knowledgeable speakers. Mm -hmm. And um, plus, I was there. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Yeah, we had Der like Derek Bros mm -hmm. and Mark Passio. So Derek's a friend of mine. So I really enjoyed getting to connect with him and hang out with him and meeting you and the others who were there who I mm -hmm. don't remember them all by name. Um, I should probably have a little cheat sheet here, but I don't. I mean, there was a couple hundred people there, so it's yeah. it's no fault of yours. Uh, yeah, Derek was on the podcast uh, two weeks ago, and that was awesome. A, he's yeah, he's fantastic. That dude is yeah. so smart, and I like people who who act on the things that they actually talk about, which is yeah, um, yeah, a big deal. Um, during that event, you you gave a presentation on citizen journalism. Um, yes. Can you go into just a little bit of your story on how you got into that field of journalism? How I actually personally became. Yes. <laughs> so I guess I kind of always knew that I was going to be doing something uh, be behind and in front of the camera. I, you know, was uh, headed to Los Angeles when I was 18, tried to pursue a career in show business, acting, modeling, singing, you know, the whole, the whole deal. And um, then I went to school at Pepperdine and studied um, screenwriting and theater mm -hmm. production. So I was already kind of going down this kind of sort of in that direction. Um, I moved to Georgia 20 years ago, met my, my husband now, and um, we shortly after getting married had my son in 2006, and he was vaccine injured. Hmm. And so, um, you know, for a long time, I had to just basically 
focus on being a mom, number one, number two, recovering my kid, you know, now I do have an older child, you met my older child. Mm -hmm. And so, um, so as I was learning about the things that I needed to do to, to heal my child and what had happened to my child and kind of understanding that I became someone that was trying to raise awareness about these things that I was seeing. And then along comes this little film called Vaxxed from Cover Up to Catastrophe. Mm -hmm. And I got involved in helping to promote that film and make it kind of the grassroots movement that made that movie a success. So I got to be a part of that. And <laughs> through that, through Polly Tommy, I began doing interviews of people who had been injured by vaccines, telling their stories and, um, some interviews with doctors and nurses and scientists and things like that. But mostly I was focused on the, um, the vaccine injured and getting their stories together. So for, and also live reporting at events. So I, um, uh, did that for a few years with peeps tv and mm -hmm. we are vax before we lost our youtube channel <laughs> <laughs> and so you can see some of those interviews if you get a roku if you've got a roku device mm -hmm. you, uh, download the uh, subscribe to the channel peeps tv that's where all the vaccine injured stories that used to live on youtube and facebook hmm. have migrated to because there's no censorship there so after that, um, 2019, 2020, I um, started my own show called, I guess I should say, I should uh, mention Truth Quest with Tia Severino. I did some blogs, some uh, radio, um, radio stuff for a little while. And then I had my own show, The People's Truth with Tia Severino on UI Media for about two and a half years. And then I went over to Children's Health Defense and was one of their rotating hosts on Good Morning CHD. So I'm right now in the process of launching a podcast myself. Pretty excited about that. We'll get into that a little bit more as we- All right, awesome. Um, lots of questions about your your story. First of all, you were, you were skeptical of vaccines prior to the COVID vaccine coming oh. out in 2021. So can you- can well, you like explain to people or at least just give your perspective on on what your thoughts were during the rollout of the <laughs> of the covid vax? Um so the pandemic came in on the heels of Vax 2, which is the sequel to Vaxed. Mm -hmm. And Vax 2 is a film which was uh created by the that we had a bus, so like an RV that was wrapped with the logo for Vaxxed for the movie that was going around the country collecting all these vaccine injury stories. That was part of kind of what I was um, telling you about how we, how I just kind of ended up being a journalist. Mm -hmm. And so these stories were all woven together into a second film called Vaxxed 2, The People's Truth. And this film had just come out November of 2019. We were starting to hear little chirps about you know something going on or in china right november mm -hmm. december of, yep. of 2019. so february of 2020 i actually attended the um, advisory committee on immunization practices meeting it was the last in-person live meeting that they allowed the public to attend and i remember the bus was on tour so the bus is on tour again, getting vaccine injury stories again, the, the Vax 2, the, uh, the film with all the stories that we've been collecting since Vax came out was out in the theaters. And, um, and then <clears throat> literally had just done a double feature Vax Vax 2 screening, film screening, when I went to this ASIP meeting. And I remember that the chair of the um, ASIP committee well, the person that's really kind of running the show with the ASIP committee mm -hmm. uh, at the time, she stood up and gave a presentation on co on COVID-19 to a standing ovation. There were only two people in the room that were not standing. That was myself and Patricia Nguyen-Schwander, nurse. <laughs> we were all there. It was the second day. We were all there because we had been flooding the room with activists and mothers of children that are you know, died from the vaccines and 
Mm -hmm. you know, he had been giving public comment. So everyone had given their public comment the day before, and this was the second day. And so that's why there was only the two of us in there. But I just remember looking at her and going, what the, you know, kind of like the, <laughs> to her, it was just this kind of like surreal moment. And that's when I knew it's, we are about to get like, I, I saw it all coming. I, I literally was stocking up two weeks before the run on toilet mm. paper. I, wow. I knew that they were going to somehow it was going to be turned into something. And I remember saying to, to somebody at the time, they're going to use this actually had been saying for a year, they're going to, for years that they're going to come out with something that they're going to really use to, because we were making too much progress. We were making way too much progress. As and when I say making too much progress, I mean, we have been really, really raising awareness. A lot of people, in fact, they had done some study where they, they showed that, that the anti-vax, quote, anti-vax online presence was winning over people to that side, our side, um, <laughs> at rates of five to one. Jeez. So for every one you know, <laughs> person, and we're talking about people that are on the fence. We're not talking about people that are right. in one camp or another. We're talking about the people who are maybe just, you know, have some questions. These mm -hmm. people that are sort of what they call the vaccine hesitant. They know that they're never going to turn the, the true anti-vaxxers, which there's a very small proportion that are have never experienced vaccines. Like we're anti-vaccine right. because we got hurt or our kids or loved ones got hurt. Right. right. So for every one person that the pro-vaxxers managed to convince, there's five that would come to our side. So this was terrifying to them. And I said, you know, they're going to do something. They have to do something to try and crush, uh, to crush the resistance, if you will. Hmm. And sure enough, um, just a couple of weeks after that weird, surreal moment at the CDC with the standing ovation, we had 15 days to slow the spread. We're just going to shut everything down and everybody stay home. You know, <laughs> <laughs> um, we're going to leave the grocery stores and the big box stores and the marijuana dispensaries open because, you know, mm -hmm. apocalypse and all. <laughs> um, but... Uh, mom and pop sh shops need to close down. Everybody needs to stay home. You know, mm -hmm. we're going to be six feet apart because five feet is dangerous, but six feet is safe. Um, you know, all of that madness started. And I remember that when it started, I literally almost fell into it. I was actually, before they shut shut everybody down and before they started telling everyone that we should wear masks, I was actually sewing masks. Because there was like a need, there was like a need for uh, masks to kind of help like people that did like home health care and stuff like that. So I had hmm. started sewing masks and, but by the time they came out with the, you should wear masks, I had already flipped on that. So gotcha. <laughs> It really only lasted for a few weeks. My good friend, Dr. Judy Mikovits actually put out a book called The Case Against Masks. And just having a, hearing her take on things, it's like, yeah, no. So, so for just a few weeks at the beginning, before everything broke out and got crazy, I kind of got pulled into that. Mm -hmm. um, and then I regained my uh, senses and realized that it was actually more dangerous <laughs> to wear a mask. Right. Than not wear one so um i've been maskless pretty much through the whole thing have yep. we probably got something in like december of 2019 that may have been my husband swears we had covid before they said that we had it here right so he had it worse than me i had mainly just body body aches and fatigue for a couple of weeks mm. he had a little more of the respiratory stuff but it was not a problem for a strong healthy immune system you know, that's what you have to maintain mm -hmm. is a healthy immune system. So I, I knew this thing was going to get, was going to be the thing they were going to use to beat us down. I had no yeah. idea though, that they would use it to so effectively change the politics, so the politics, not the politics, to change the political, the, the scope of political power hmm. in the United States. You know, I don't know where you stand on the whole, like, was the 2020 election won fair and square by Joe Biden? 81 million votes. <laughs> um, yeah, I I personally am on the fence. 
<laughs> I have not seen like definitive proof other yeah. than like those pictures of the Trump rallies up against like Joe Biden with the people in chairs, like 19 mm -hmm. chair, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I've seen enough circumstantial evidence to make me question things, but definitely not go. enough to convince me of anything at go. this point. So it is what it is at this point. Exactly. Yeah. So, but yeah. COVID was used effectively by the left, by the Democrats to mm -hmm. change laws regarding our elections and to circumvent, you know, some of the safeguards that we would have in place to prevent crazy things from happening. Yep. So that's why I think my prediction, you heard it here. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we may be dealing with um, by November of 2024 which is mm -hmm. just now a year a little less than a year away yeah maybe world war three plus civil unrest i'm not going to say civil war but civil unrest plus mm -hmm. foreign invasion that's actually happening right now plus another pandemic can you imagine how hard life would be if they throw all four of those or any combination of one or two of those things at us and we know that that's what they're trying to do right interesting i i mean I, i'm fairly confident that at this point at least half the country if they said we're locking down because of a pandemic that would that it would be a no-go like that would not happen to half the country and it would happen to the other half most likely um and then what happens yeah that's the question I mean, it would be so unpredictable, a country of our size with this right. many people, with this right. much space. Like, I don't know. I have no idea what would happen. But right. <laughs> tell you one thing, I'm not locking down ever again. So <laughs> No, never. Well, I didn't really lock down the first time. Yeah, but, yeah, okay. we didn't really either. Here but. in Georgia, you know, we did have businesses close. And the closer you were to a blue district, the more kind of paranoid people were. And I still see people wearing masks. It's like, come on, people. Yes. Like, like I was just out today and I saw people wearing masks. And I, I just. Yep. In their own car by themselves. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> still. <laughs> I, I love this. So as I'm on my way out this morning, I see a car with 20 or more. I don't know, at least a dozen to 20 of those paper masks hanging from the rear view mm -hmm. mirror. <laughs> what? What? That is exhausting. That's exhausting. Wow. <laughs> yeah, that's a lot. It, yeah. it, it, I, I understand why people get uh, really down about society after seeing things like that. But then there's so many good things um, out there that are happening as well, like especially here in the state of Georgia, there's lots of great things, um, including something you're putting on um, in March. I believe it's the third third one, right? Third conference. It is the third um, annual. Mm -hmm. It is the next steps. Can you talk about exactly what this conference is about? So next steps conference is basically what it is, is I took a look around and I said, we have got to shift the paradigm. Hmm. You know, the way that people think, the set of beliefs, the way that they're going about doing things. We have to shift that. We have to shift that. And we have to figure out how to come together as a community and build the parallel society. Okay. Mm. And we have to learn how to heal and we have to heal in all aspects, right? Physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, all aspects of healing. We need to really connect. And I mean, like most people, how many of your neighbors do you know? For example, do you know a lot of your neighbors in your neighborhood? I know my five next door neighbors. We all get together pretty regularly. That's good. You know, yeah. most people don't have any relationships within their neighborhoods. Yeah, that's true. And um, now that we have, you know, people are starting to come together and form more community bonds. So we do have, I think there is a movement towards creating more uh, of a of a connectivity between what I would call parts of the parallel society. So we have we have um, doctors that are kind of breaking free from the current medical model that the kind of the the allopathic Rockefeller medicine one size fits all standard of mm -hmm. care protocol type of treatment for um, and uh, they're trying to forge a new way. Right. As far as how are they going to be able to continue providing medicine, ethical medicine, practicing mm. ethical medicine, but but not being part of the medical tyranny that we've seen so much of in the last you know three years, really 
uh, and is really brought to the surface so people can see it more. It was going on before, but now people are seeing it. You know, these protocols that were killing people in hospitals, for example, mm -hmm. the, uh, restriction of current um, current current um, <laughs> medications that are. Yeah. You know, have a long history of use of, of effectiveness and safety uh, being restricted because it would it would prevent there being you know the market for the for the jab, right? Right. So so we have these doctors; they're trying to do their little thing over here. We've got some nurses that are trying to do. We've got ethical scientists that are like, well, wait a minute, the scientific method method still works. You got to use it though, like use it properly you yes. know fun <laughs> science and the fraud and then we could actually figure some things out about the universe and the world around us we do have some great scientists like dr james lyons weiler and dr brian hooker and others and dr judy mike that's really mm. really brilliant brilliant minds and we have what i would say are like the um the ones that sort of knew already and were already doing the right thing i would call that like my natural healers my homeopaths my chiropractors my um my holistic healers and natural healers. Um, mm -hmm. And also the, uh, another group that I would classify as kind of already knowing what's going on and doing it already is the preppers, yeah. the homesteaders, yeah. <laughs> the homeschoolers. Um, and, and, but these are like little groups. They're like mm -hmm. little bubbles, right? And we have great journalists who are stepping away from the mainstream media. Like, Tucker's one of probably our most recent new converts from the mainstream, if you call Fox mainstream, but you know, we have Ben Swan. We have, there's so many, like um, so many incredible journalists who have said, you know what? I can't do it this way anymore. And they've mm. stepped aside and they're, and then you have like your guerrilla journalists, your, what you might think of when somebody says citizen journalists, your people like James O'Keefe that are out there making the story with their undercover, kind of like undercover gotcha videos, but, but still great. Mm -hmm. And then you have, you know, your, um, from, from your, like some people might not like it, but Alex Jones does have a major platform in alternative journalism. And there are many, many others. Del Bigtree stepped away from CBS and he's doing the high wire with Bill. We got some great, great journalists. We have all of the journalists at Children's Health Defense and mm -hmm. so many others that are really, we've got great musicians like Five Times August who are writing the songs about like the protest songs for this generation because the 60s, 70s and 80s protesters have all turned shills for the pharmaceutical industry, right? Yep. <laughs> and so we've got all these elements. We literally have all the elements that we need for a society, but, but we need to connect. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know that the doctors are prepping. Are they prepping? Right. Do they have people around them that are prepping so that if they need help, you know, we, we're going to need doctors. We're going to need food. We're going to, you know, like, so yes. my vision with next steps is to bringing everybody together who are part of what, what I would say, like the, the leaders in creating the parts of the parallel society and bringing them together. And next year's theme is heal, connect, thrive, and go. Mm -hmm. So we really are going to be focusing on healing. Like I said, all aspects of healing, connecting. So community building and um, thrive. Like how are we going to move forward and not just survive like the, the crazy world like the Mad Max world that we want us <laughs> to kind of get crushed into, like not only survive, but thrive. Because yes. if, like, if we are going to survive, we have to not comply. Mm. But it can't just be little pockets of non-compliance. has to be large numbers of non-compliance. Why are most people complying? Do they really believe that like that's the best way? I think that a lot of people are just going along to get along. They don't want to rock the boat because they don't see an alternative. Well, I have to take my kid to the pediatrician because I have to put my kid that because that's where you take your kid, right? Like, mm -hmm. got to take your kid to the pediatrician. You got to put your kid in school. You got to put your kid in the public school, which means you've got to get the vaccines. You got to get the vaccines because the, the pediatrician is pushing it. They don't realize that like you don't need a pedi pediatrician, mm. <laughs> professional medicine doctor, get a chiropractor with those two. You don't need any, anybody else. Okay. 
and take your kids out of the state-sponsored indoctrination camps. Yes. Please. Are we the reason we're in this mess right now is because my generation, and I'm a Gen Xer, right? <laughs> we put our kids through public school. Like mm-hmm. I, I trust me, the difference between my oldest child who is 33 and my youngest child who is 17 is my oldest child went to public school. <laughs> and the thinking is it's so indoctrinated. Like I can't tell you like mm. the difference is night and day having now we do cyber school with my son because he he's on the autism spectrum well they're both on the autism spectrum but just having some control over what he's who's influencing him right yeah. so what i was saying is like we've really got to have an alternative so a lot of people say well i have to put my kid in school because i have to work i can't homeschool mm-hmm. but if you connect with other families you could do a homeschool co-op. Yes. There's micro schools. There's community-based schooling. There's unschooling. There's all kinds of different approaches. People just don't know enough to make mm-hmm. a switch. So imagine that kind of like, like example and then apply it to every other area of society where we need to create our own structures. Yeah. Our own structures. And as we're building those structures, that will encourage more people to say, hey, there's another way. I, I don't have to keep going down this road. Look, right over there, they're building a new, a new, uh, there's an off ramp right up there. We can get on the new road. The new road looks way better than this road we're on, <laughs> you know? Yes. I mean, I'm, I'm a hundred percent on board with all of this. Um, do you, do you follow uh, Tim pool at all? I love Tim pool. Yeah. He's fantastic. The the stuff that he does, like he's another person who, who puts his money where his mouth is and actually goes and does things. And he, you know, he's completely on board with, with the parallel economy and the like parallel society. And, um, you know, they're creating their own chain of coffee shops to like, and they're going to have people like Dave Smith and, and, uh, you know, Ben Shapiro and these people playing in the coffee shop rather mm-hmm. than the crap that you get when you go into a Starbucks. Um, right. And, you know, th- he he's a big promoter of, a, of an app called Public Square, which is mm-hmm. um, designed around promoting um, businesses that believe in freedom and liberty, um, right. which is absolutely fantastic. So I, I love the idea of creating um, a culture based in the liberty and freedom world um because that it's it's essential for survival and and for thriving to be honest like you i don't don't think in the long term you're going to thrive if you don't have freedom or liberty correct so um yeah let's uh i want to look at uh what the the things y'all are doing during this during this conference um can you just go over the days real quick on on what each of these would would look like so this is just kind of like what you might call the first first flush, the first blush, the first like ideas for what we're going to be doing. Okay. And it, it will be taking shape more over the next uh, probably couple of weeks mm-hmm. as we really hone down on what we're doing. But day one is going to be all about healing. So every it's going to mostly be focused on um, natural healing. So detoxing mm. and natural healing. And we are going to have... Um, wellness vendor fair which is going to be open to the public on the first day which is thursday march 17th and so um even if you can't afford to come to the conference that day is free please come check out the vendors check out the sponsors kind of get a feeling for um what the different options are out there for you to um to get some natural healing and so uh then we'll have a film screening on Thursday night, the film is to be announced. I am trying to get a very important film by a friend of mine, um, but I haven't gotten an answer yet. So I can't say it, um, <laughs> <laughs> but it will be an amazing film, whatever film we do end up screening. So then on day two, day two is about connecting. Mm-hmm. So this is where um, I'm really trying to, instead of having, um, the focus be on like a specific subject. I'm trying to bring in people from like different areas and connecting them together. So like the, um, the like what you were talking about with the parallel economy would be 
uh, like, great. I'd love to have Tim Pool. He would be great to have mm-hmm. um, somebody to come in. We're going to have somebody come in and talk about that. We're going to talk about, um, you know, education, food, medicine, like, how are we going to come together? How are we going to support the leaders of these parts of the parallel society and make sure that while they're building those very important structures that they're not missing all the other stuff. Like they're not missing their own personal healing. They're not Mm. missing, you know, the right educational choices for their children. They're not missing the, you know, if they're not going to be growing their own food, that's okay. Not everybody has the ability, has the land, has the time wants to do that, Mm -hmm. but everybody should know somebody that is growing food. I mean, one of the first things I did when this pandemic started, the pandemic, I like to call, is um, I pulled out my my Patriot seed bank that I had bought in 2018. There we go. And I said, let's see what grows. (laughs) And so I had a little micro garden um, in this little tiny strip of of, uh, sun at the top of my driveway and my very shady property here in um, metro, well, in the suburbs of Atlanta. Mm-hmm. And I had micro harvests and by <laughs> micro harvest, I mean, look, two tomatoes, and five <laughs> green beans. <laughs> well, you got to start somewhere. I mean, we did, hey, we did look, something super I similar. A of cucumbers too. Yeah. Uh, and so then that summer we did. And one thing that I will say that was good about the pandemic is it kind of got my husband to start, you know, considering, cause I've mm. been talking about prepping for like probably five or six years by that point mm-hmm. and really started ramping up at the end of the Obama, just like the second half of Obama's term going into the 20, uh, the 2016 election, I started really wanting to prep. I started wanting to have more food just, and, and I mean, over the years I've managed to get a little bit of a stock of food, but mm-hmm. you never really feel like you have enough, right? Like no matter if you start going down the prepper, if you start going down the prepper road, you will never, you'll always be like, oh, I need some more. Yes. Um, <laughs> but what I, what I, what I, um, but you know, my husband was like, you know, I got a good job and we're doing all right. You know, not mm-hmm. to worry too much about, don't, don't worry too much, you know. Uh, but with, with the shutdown and like the kids home from school and all the offices shutting, he was working from home and it was like, well, now my constant going, I'd like to have some property out in the country actually go. got through to him. And so in yeah. 2020, uh, in, uh, the, in the summer of 2020, we bought a couple of acres with a little farmhouse that needs to be rebuilt. But still, it's a couple of acres mm-hmm. out in the country in North Georgia. And Love so I, <laughs> for 2021, I had a bigger garden and I learned that I could grow food that I wasn't even there to tend, you know? Mm-hmm. Um probably would have had a better harvest uh, <laughs> if I had been there to tend it. The bugs got to eat some too, you know, because that's just yeah. how it goes when you, but I mean, I grew tomatoes. I had mm-hmm. tomatoes to can tomato sauce. I had green beans. I had uh, cucumber. Oh, just, and it, there's something about that. You know, probably the most expensive tomatoes that I ever ate in the first year or two, right? Because all the work that I had to go in the garden, but just knowing that I can grow my own food, Mm -hmm. it just, it's empowering. It makes you feel a little more hopeful. Like I, maybe I can survive the the coming crazy, you know, mess that's coming. Yes. Um, and just the more that I've gone down that road, the more I'm like, wow, we, we got, first of all, I know that they're not going to just let us go have a little farm out in the country do you think they will no i don't think so no that's why we already have one (laughs) exactly they 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 aren't gonna let us do that if it's just us as little islands like if you if you jake if you go and you have your little garden over there Mm -hmm. and i go over here and i have my little garden well that's just tia against the tyranny and that's just jake against the tyranny but if we connect mm-hmm. i got your back jake and you got my back and mm-hmm. then we got like 20 other people that i've got your back you've got my my back then you got 20 people you can call on in case tyranny shows up at the door mm-hmm. and it's not necessarily that we're expecting tyranny to show up at the door but 
if we can get enough numbers to be confident enough to draw in enough non-compliant people to our, they, they, I don't think that they'll be able to win that way. I think that we're going to agree. It's all yes. about, you know, getting the numbers. And I think it's really about getting the people that are afraid to stand up and speak out and say, Hey, I'm not for this. How do we, um, how do we, how do we motivate those people? Mm. Uh, how do we take away their fear and their trepidation of like, well, I don't want to be the one standing out like the sore thumb, you know, the one black sheep in the, in the herd is easy to, to find. Right. Right. So, yeah. That, that's, that's a hard question. Um, that's actually one that I haven't considered too much because I tend the people in my life, I tend to just not think that anything bad will really happen. Um, and so trying to convince them at least to be prepared in case something does is in and of itself super difficult. So right. um, I haven't even gotten to the point of finding people of like talking to people who are like, don't want to stand out, um, which that's a whole different problem. Um, right. Yeah. Yeah. It's a it's a lot of work um, and people don't like to change. People don't like to do that kind of work. People like to do their own research or put in more time into things that would take them away from their right. routine that they have going right yeah. now. So um, it's a lot of work, but I, I, I think a lot of us are headed in the right direction. And I, I like, I like what I'm seeing at the very least. <laughs> I, I do too. I like people are waking up more and more now than they ever have. Yeah. Like they really kind of messed up with the whole pandemic. Yes. Kind of messed up. Mm -hmm. It didn't kill as many people as they wanted. Okay. They didn't get the jab into as many people as many times as they wanted. Yep. They didn't completely destroy the economy as much as they wanted. Now yeah. it's bad, but it's not as bad as what they wanted it to be. And they, people are not like they're scaring the, the fear porn is scaring a certain number of people. Yes. Into their arms, but it's, I think waking up a lot more people than it's winning over. I think people are like, well, hold on. Like how long can you just, you know, keep with this constant, like how many more vaccines do we have to take before we're safe? You know, like mm -hmm. we're just over it, I think. Yep. I would agree with you. Um, well, T, you said you were launching a podcast. Can you tell us, tell us what that is and when, where people can find that and when? So it's going to be on Spotify and we're launching it December 7th and it is called Empowered Healthcare with Tia Severino. And it is based on a book that I have been working on over the summer. Okay. So shortly after I met you, Jake, in May of this year, I fell and broke my wrist and my ankle. Um, here at my house, my husband was not home. He was actually on his way to the farmhouse and had almost gotten there. Mm. Um, so he was almost, he was like an hour away. And I, the, I fell going down some steps behind my house, some concrete steps, carrying a, carrying a, ba a bag with weights in it, landed on my arm. I busted my ankle, like shattered my, my ankle bone, Jeez. both, both of the little knobby ends, both of them shattered shattered both of the knobby bones in my wrist completely in pieces. Gosh. <laughs> so I'm screaming. My next door neighbor's daughter comes and she calls the ambulance. And, um, and so just a little bit of background because of my son's injuries, mm -hmm. because of actually my mother died because of medical malpractice when I was 11. Mm -hmm. So I've always had kind of a, healthy fear of doctors and medicine so mm. just because of that that's a very traumatic experience but you would not get me in a hospital like other than when i had my like i would you would not get me in the hospital the only way especially after the last two years last three years no way you would get me in a hospital except for something like broken bones mm. okay and so so here i am on an ambulance on my way to the hospital in shock and, and i'm telling the guys in the ambulance no vaccines no biologics like i was in shock 
and they're asking my name and my birthday and i'm just like no vaccines no biologics We're not gonna do that. don't worry don't worry and i said it like maybe three times and finally they both said hey don't worry neither one of us got the vaccine and one of them said he had seen too many kids stroke out so mm. So there's a little word from your from your ambulance driver. The ambulance right. personnel, they know. They're seeing it. They're <laughs> seeing it. They they get the calls, okay? And so I get to the hospital to the triage, which is where you come in when you come in from the ambulance or when you come in the emergency room, you have to go to this big desk where they figure out who you are mm. and what's wrong with you so they know where to send you within the emergency de department. And so here I am on the stretcher and she's asking me my name and birthday. And I'm like, no vaccines, no biologics. <laughs> <laughs> We're not doing that right now. We just need your... <laughs> I'm like, I don't care. I want it at the top of my chart. Like, because I didn't know, you know, like yeah. I'm in shock. Like, am I going to pass out or are they going to put me under and somehow mm -hmm. think that maybe they'll, you know, I just didn't know. And so I'm in the emergency room that they had put me in. And the nurse that came in, the first nurse that came in says to me, first thing she says to me, when was your last tetanus shot? <laughs> no vaccines, no biologics. <laughs> no, it's not what we're doing. I just need to know when your last tetanus shot was. I'm like, well, if you must know, it was about 12 years ago. And it, I still have the nerve damage from it. It caused severe nerve damage. Oh, and it wasn't a tetanus shot because you can't get a tetanus shot. Right. It was a Tdap. Yep. Okay. And so she's like, oh, you know, like, <laughs> so I go through the whole process of like x-rays and like MRI. And then they like knock me out so they can set the bone temporarily because I've got to wait for surgery with a specialist. On, I was in pieces. And so I'm laying in the room. They're they're going through the process of trying to get me ready to transfer me to a room upstairs. And the same nurse comes in and she says to me, I'm going to give you a shot of heparin. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. What is that? <laughs> She's like, oh, it's it's um, for blood clots because you're going to be laying around for a long time and we don't want you to get a blood clot and die. Right. And I'm, oh, scary. You know, <laughs> well. <laughs> hold on a second, what's in it, and what are the side effects? There you go. Okay, because I don't know that drug. I've never heard of it before. You're not, because mm. like, she was like, oh, at first when I said, what is it? She's like, it's a, I mean, it's an injection. I'm going to give it to you in your, in your abdomen. I'm like, whoa, whoa, hold on a second. I don't right. know this drug. And so, um, so then I'm like, what's in it, and what are the side effects? To which she says, I don't have that here, but you can Google it. I'm laying there with a broken wrist and a, and it's my right wrist too. <laughs> <laughs> it's telling me to Google it. And I'm like, oh, I don't think I'm going to Google it. I am going to talk to my doctor and mm -hmm. mine who are nurses. But for now, since you can't tell me what it is, what's in it and what the side effects are, I'm going to decline that medication. So she leaves the room and comes back with a piece of paper that just has the ingredients. So it's one paragraph, the ingredients, and I'm reading it. And it says porcine cells. Mm -hmm. So I point to that. And, uh, she goes, oh, I guess you could have a religious objection to that. <laughs> <What? laughs> I just said, what's a biologic? Like, you don't even know. I'm here screaming, no vaccines, no biologics. And right. you don't even know that the medication that you're going to give me, you, you, you aren't giving me informed consent. Okay. Mm. You don't know what's in it. You don't know what the side effects are. You don't even know what its classification is and that it is a biologic. Okay. Right. So, um, so anyway, that began the whole process of me being in the hospital for several days, during which time I had multiple interactions with the staff in the hospital. And of course, because I was advocating for myself and <laughs> no vaccines, no biologics and all this. I'm not taking Tylenol and this and that kind of, yeah. you know, just made me a problem patient. Yeah. And um, so I'm lying in the hospital and I'm thinking, all right, God, like what's the silver lining? Because I know that no matter what happens, something good can come of it. And so as I'm there in the hospital, I realized that I needed to write a book.
Now, at the time, I'm thinking I needed to write a book about my experience in the hospital and what a ridiculous mess it was and, and how important it is to know how to advocate for yourself. What it turned into, and actually, let me show you what it turned into is a massive wow. volume, okay? And so the the book that I've been writing is a resource guide. So it's called Empowered Healthcare, A Guide to Advocacy in Medical Emergencies. This hmm. is a resource book for healthy living. And it goes, first of all, it starts off with like, how, what is advocacy? Like, how do you, what is advocacy in a medical in a medical environment. Mm -hmm. And then it goes through a number of different medical emergencies that you might experience when you might need to get medical care or, or not, some basic first aid. And there's a whole section on um, the, the roles of healthcare professionals, the different facilities, the terminology, the medications, the, um, the different types of, of test testing equipment, all of Basically, everything that you would encounter if you were in a medical emergency or in, in any way interacting with the medical system, okay? Mm -hmm. And then it has a whole section on your entire body, your all the systems of your body. Like, what are your different systems, like your cardiovascular system, your musculoskeletal, the nervous system? Because if you have a problem and it affects one of those systems, but you don't know about that system and you're now in an emergency situation or you're in a medical environment and they're talking all this lingo you don't understand mm -hmm. about parts of your body that you don't understand, right. that is not a good place to be. So with this resource guide, you can basically flip to, oh, dad's mom's got diabetes. What does that mean? You know, and you mm -hmm. can learn about the pancreas and how all these things work together. Dad just had a stroke and, you know, like every possible thing that you need to know about that medical emergency and that part of the body and the different types of medications and treatments. It's, it's a real undertaking. And then also I've got a personal preparedness planner, which is where you can document all of your medical data hmm. or like having a personal having a personal emergency plan or a plan for you know members of your family that might have medical mm -hmm. need. you know like i mentioned mom's diabetes and dad's stroke yeah. and basically you can fill out the forms have all of your different um all of your emergency contacts in here the medications that you're on all that kind of stuff and so that so that is what the podcast will be based on is hmm. the idea of really learning. And unfortunately, most people are probably not going to have this book before they have a medical emergency. They should, hmm. <laughs> but they probably won't. And so, uh, but the sooner you could get your hands on something like this, mm -hmm. the better you'd be uh, equipped to handle that kind of a, 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 of a, situation. Right. So I'll be interviewing nurses and doctors and scientists and natural healers and basically just regular everyday ordinary people like you and me mm -hmm. who have had to advocate for themselves or for a loved one in an emergency or in a medical environment. Right. So I think we're probably going to get into some hospital protocol stuff from the last three years because there's so many stories out there of people, their loved ones being basically harmed by the standard of care hospital protocols. Hmm. But there's been stuff like that going on for years, probably, I don't know. Uh, but I imagine in this situation, we'll probably, we'll probably cover a little bit about medical kidnapping. I don't know what you know about medical kidnapping, but that is a really scary situation where, let's say you have a child, that mm -hmm. child becomes ill, you take the child to the hospital, and then the hospital either misdiagnoses or wanted or wants to do a treatment plan that you don't agree with. And you try to take your child out of that situation and they kidnap your child. It's called Jeez. medical kidnapping. Like CPS steps in and says, Oh, you don't, you don't want to treat your kid with this treatment plan by this hospital and these specialists at this doc, these doctors at this hospital, mm -hmm. then you're an unfit parent and we're going to take your child. And they take the child and they do the treatment anyway. And this happened to wow. a little um, to a little boy up in Canada. The child actually died 
the mm. father was put in jail. I mean, there's some crazy stories out there, people, um, way before COVID, way before COVID, mm. way before the nightmare stuff that you have heard about um, with COVID, like um, Grace's dad, Grace um, had Down syndrome. She was basically a medical kidnapping type hospital protocol uh, death, had nothing to do with COVID. So I, I imagine that there'll be some stories like that. But the main thing, the main focus is going to be on hearing from medical professionals about um, how they advocate for patients and how a patient should advocate for themselves or for loved ones. Because believe it or not, the way that you advocate for a loved one could put you at risk for worse treatment. Mm. Um, unfortunately, that's why it's so important for people to know you can't just start kicking and screaming you have to use like certain language you have to use certain language like i really got their attention when i started saying i'm trying to advocate for myself like right now just using right. that word saying i know what my rights are as a patient you can't do this to me right hmm. but actually having that knowledge and back being able to back that up um of course that might not work in all situations but that's that's the gist of what the podcast will be about wow all right. Well, y'all, December 7th, Empowered Healthcare with Tia Severino on Spotify. Make sure you go subscribe, check it out, share it with your friends. Um, Tia, thank you so much. Um, I love what you're doing um, in our state. Um, I love that there's someone like you out there. And uh, yeah, go attend the Next Steps conference coming up in March. Um, you can go to the website next-steps.info. Um, and it'll be in the uh, description as well. So you can just click the link in the description. Um, Tia, anything else? Uh, do you have socials that you want people to follow or anything like that? Um, I mean, you can follow me on Facebook. I don't know why, because Facebook's <laughs> not going to ever show you any of the stuff that I post. <laughs> I'm on Twitter, on um, uh, X, formerly known as um, Twitter, as Vaxed, A-T-L, V-A-X-X-E-D-A-T-L. But ever since I got my new phone, I haven't been able to log into my ex account. <laughs> so there's not going to be anything new there until I figure out how to get back in there. And I got an Instagram. I mean, I'm, I've had all of you know, the tree social. I've had all the different accounts. It's just where, how do you have time? You know, yeah. I built a really big following on Facebook and now I yeah. might as well have 12 friends on Facebook. Right. It's ridiculous. That's how but, it goes. Um, <laughs> the best thing to do, like, you know, find my website. Um, but there's lots of, lots of content on rumble. Oh, I have a rumble channel Okay. So Severino on rumble mm -hmm. and, um, and yeah. And if you go to next hyphen steps.info, I am, um, uploading the videos from this year's conference. So there are some of the videos from this year's conference are already up there. You can go check those out. So you can kind of get a little bit of an idea more. So what, what, um, a next steps conference workshop looks like. I love it. Awesome. Well, thank you very much, Tia. Um, anybody at out there listening, uh, go to lpgeorgia.com to learn more about the Libertarian Party of Georgia and what we're doing to spread liberty and freedom around the state. Um, if you're not in the state, go to lp.org to learn more about Libertarian National Party. Uh, yeah, that'll do it for this week. I won't be recording very many for December. I'm taking December off from podcasting, so apologies if uh, there's fewer episodes in December. But um, again, Tia, thank you so much for coming on. Thanks for having me, Jake. All right. Peace.